Hey folks, Zach Austin here at Insider Indianapolis Star. It is the evening, deep into the evening on September 3rd, 2023. This is Mind Your Banners um, with Mike Nisley from the Wilmington Herald Times. And um, Mike, we finally saw some football. <laughs> at least some, <laughs> some football that um, I suppose felt a little bit more um, reliable in terms of telling us what Indiana might be this season. And yet, somehow, I think we still came out of this game with a lot of pretty relevant questions unanswered. Hoosiers lose 23-3 to Ohio State um, on Saturday afternoon. It is fair to say a good day for the defense, uh, a not-so-good day for the offense, and a day where you are really still left with, I think, this feeling that I know you you articulated well in one of our preseason podcasts, just that the season may not properly start for Indiana until week three against Louisville. Well, yeah, you said, you know, with Ohio State, that game, you really can't judge the team. And the team has sort of thrown that out in years past in terms of um, even if they're good and they lose badly against Ohio State, that's sort of just par for the course with this program right now. So sort of a different sort of set of rules with that game. And, and, and Indiana State, just kind of the opposite, right? They're going to be so bad that any fireworks the offense is able to put up, you can't expect them necessarily to carry over. I mean, it's just going to be sort of a, a strange thing. And Louisville will be the test. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to see how they try to put this thing together here and what, about 10 days before that game in Indianapolis? Um, is it an option-heavy offense? Um with uh Jackson that you know runs the ball 40 45 times or do they stick with you know Soresby and try to pass it a little more I mean they got I I think it could go in some different directions um which I mean do you have a I mean I think you've said the option you think would have some success is that where you if you were the coaching staff you would be leaning I mean listen it's I, I guess let's start with the offense because it, it does feel like a sort of a, a two very separate games almost. Maybe I mean maybe two and a half to three if you want to talk about the good and the bad of, of Indiana special teams. Um, I mean, listen, there are people, and I'm one of them, that have said for years Indiana should dabble with with the, with the triple in in some form. Um, that's nice to say in theory. It's obviously not the easiest thing to do in in practice. Um, I think that there are ways it has become more schematically feasible just as kind of, you know, sort of spread offenses and air raid offenses and tempo offenses have all maybe sort of meshed in the last 10 years or so. Um, you know, the, the stuff, I mean, like if, if you said run the triple, 15, 20 years ago, you, you almost needed to go get a coach that like just really dedicated their whole life to that. Like Rich Rodriguez did kind of out of the spread, obviously not quite a triple option offense, but very, you know, a lot of the those kind of ideas or someone like Paul Johnson or Ken Neomatotolo. Indiana did not try to do anything, to be frank, overly creative out of the option on Saturday. And, you know, let's not act like Indiana did great. I mean, they ran the ball. 33 times for what net of 71 yards. Um, they only had two players average 
more than three and a half yards per carry. Those were Christian Turner, who averaged 4.1, and Taven Jackson, who averaged 3.7, but that was three carries for 11 yards. Um, but I think if you have concerns about where you are passing the football, and I think it's fair to say Indiana does, and your strengths are where we sort of suspected that they were preseason number one, a pretty deep, um, a pretty deep backfield of running backs, and number two, an offensive line that, while not you know stocking world beaters, is discernibly better than it was a year ago. You've got to find ways to sort of double down on what your offense should be able to rely on right now, and and let yourself grow into the rest. And I do just think that there's enough comfort, you know, the, the, the flip side of saying that it isn't, you can't just snap your fingers and run the triple option. They didn't look that bad at it either. I mean, again, they were keeping it pretty simple, but like in terms of the function of it, guys weren't missing blocks, missing reads, you know, the, the, the well, it, Ohio state just had too much team speed on the outside and too yeah. much bulk on the inside to make it work. And, and, and they you're just not going to face that every year in Michigan's the next team that probably has the talent like that. You know, it, right. they're only going to face like, Penn State and Michigan are probably the only teams that have that kind of talent. So it, and the, there, level, the degree of difficulty goes down from here on out. And there's also the element of the new clock rules. And I think one thing a lot of people have been noticing about the, the, the way the new clock rules impact games is they allow teams to, you know, string out the the clock a little bit more. The way that the way that, for example, old triple teams would, that, you know, I mean, you look at Indiana on Saturday. I mean, five of fifteen on third downs, which is okay, I guess. Um, if you look at their actual drives, though, and I'm I'm literally flipping through the, um, I'm flipping through this as we talk. They I mean, had, Indiana they had, had three and outs, and then they had the two long drives. One, yeah, they had they plays. had they had three drives. No, it had two drives that were more than six plays. Three drives. No, three drives that were that lasted more than six plays. And yet, you know, I mean, Ohio State had the ball for 32 minutes. Indiana had the ball for 28 minutes. Um, Ohio State had a, a I mean, a, a, a snap advantage, 67 offensive snaps to 54. That's not huge. Um, for the fact that Indiana just could not find anything sustainable offensively, Indiana was able to shorten that game to rest its defense and to at least play into what its strengths are right now. And so this is a really long winded way of me saying, I do think that's where Indiana needs to go. And, you know, at least on Saturday, Taven Jackson looked more comfortable taking Indiana through that. Well, we, we talked to Gary Danielson during the week on a conference call and he said he didn't know what the identity of this team was. And I think it's more, and I think that's true, and I don't think he came out of that game knowing. But offensively, I don't think – I think it's basically we still just don't know what their identity is going to be. And I think if you spin this forward, I've talked a little bit like off the podcast with you about this. Like if you want – quoting Batman, Michael Keaton back in the day, if you want to get nuts, let gets nuts. Dexter Williams, do – you know, they've been saying they're waiting for him. Like, and they've kept bringing him up. And he was a uniform – even though he's hurt on Saturday, uh, he was out, but he was taking snaps. Like if you put him with Jackson and you do some wild, I mean, you could get really crazy with the, that. You know, you have two quarterbacks back there. 
Um, but is that the direction they're going to go? You know, it's like, I, I don't know. It just would seem to me that that might provide some, you know, um, mystery, which they've tried to have throughout the fall camp. Like if you really want to make teams start guessing um, in, in a couple of weeks, four or five weeks, um, maybe that's the way to go. I don't know. And not him full time. I'm just saying, like, mix it up, give him snaps, uh, put him in the backfield with Taven Jackson. Well, uh, and if if you things. are, I mean, if you think he's going to play, I mean, this was this was the direction they were moving last season offensively with yeah. Dexter Williams. And if you think that there, if you think he has, he's going to get to a place where he's something meaningful to contribute to this this season, then it would make a certain amount of sense to have an offense that's kind of ready for him. I think. You said something, and I forget exactly how you said it, but, you know, we have all through fall camp, we sort of wondered if if what might ultimately separate these two quarterbacks is whether there was something that one of them was better at than the other that just sort of put Indiana in a better position to win games. And I think you articulated it better than, than I ever did in the preseason – when you said Indiana sort of just kind of decides needs to decide what it wants to be offensively. Does yeah. it want to, to, you know, fully buy into this, this option? It doesn't mean you can't throw the ball. I mean, listen, especially as an option offense develops, if you, especially if you're running it out of the gun, you can throw the ball. Like that's, that's not a, a and they have a bunch of RPOs in there too. So it's like, they, have yeah. A, and you've option. got yeah. bigger yeah. receivers. This isn't, I mean, you know, this isn't like a an old Nebraska wishbone or the, the Paul right, Johnson right. wing T kind of triple setup where wide receivers are, are so far away from the play that basically kind of all they can do is either block down or you know just occupy cornerbacks downfield. And you know, you can you can start layering in more pass stuff as you go. You've just got to get the run part of it down. So either you know, do you want if, if that's what you want to be, be that. If you want to be an offense that looks a lot more like what Indiana was last season, then you've at least got some intriguing skill players. And again, most defenses aren't Ohio State. But it just sort of feels like you've got to decide which of those you want to be. And not necessarily, this is not me pigeonholing Brendan Soresby as a purely pocket passer or Taven Jackson is basically only good as an option quarterback, but this is me saying those are both players that are clearly incomplete quarterbacks right now, which is completely fine given their age and their experience, but they are clearly not, you know, fully polished in the way that they might be in a year or two or three. So you have to decide what you want to be and then decide which one of those gives you more of a chance to win within that, you know, within that offensive structure, that offensive philosophy, whatever term you want to use. And in, again, one of the two sort of like ultimate thumb on the scale games in Indiana's schedule, and it just so happens they're playing them both in weeks one and two, recognizing that, you know, the extremes of what you could or could not um, draw from Saturday's game, um, it feels like Jackson, if you're going to run the ball, Jackson's going to give you a better chance. If, if, yeah, if that's I mean, what you we, want out of your quarterback in these first few weeks. That's Jackson. what we saw in, in fall camp. I mean, we didn't get to see a ton, but I mean, I, I, it was clear to me uh, just from what we saw that he just was the, 
you know, I, I'm not saying Sorsby's unathletic that he can't do some of that stuff, and they've always maintained that they're both able to do it. I just think Jackson's the better athlete and can do more and um, is a bigger threat. He looked more comfortable running. I mean, there was a couple of plays that Sorsby probably should have pitched it, but just looked completely untethered from what decision. Like he just, just like lost his like lost his uh you know lost the plot for a second there and you can't have that you have to be decisive and i thought taven jackson on 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 saturday looked absolutely more decisive with that stuff uh, i know it's a small sample size but um and, and i think part of that though is that he's more comfortable running a little bit more comfortable out in space uh, um and it, and it, it makes a difference and so i think they you know they've said that there's not much difference between the two and I get what they're trying to say that, you know, none of them are lacking in an area, but I do think if you're going with a more pass heavy offense, Sorsby's kind of the guy they've talked about his arm talents slightly better, better kind of pocket in the pocket. But the rest of it, I, I think Jackson has the edge. You know, I don't know that the results will be all that much. You know, I don't know what that does going forward, but I just, that's how I kind of view the quarterback battle. I think your point, I mean, about, just sort of Jackson's decision-making is comfort level. I mean, again, people want to reduce these things with quarterback play to, you know, basically who can throw an eight-yard cross better or who's faster. You know, there's a lot of decisions still to be made in an option offense. You, you can run the ball 40 times in a game, but if you're the quarterback, there's still – Pre-snap, you have to you have to look at your defense, figure out who are my keys, you know, who's my who's my my dive key, who's my pitch key. Well, Walt Bell mentioned that as one of the kind of the key in his in his deciding who would be the quarterback. Yeah, getting the guys in the right spot. Like there's like tons of pre-snap reads that they have to make, even to just kind of. And if you're going to run a no huddle, and Indiana moved a lot slower on Saturday, and that was probably a function of just yeah. being Ohio State. Yeah. And, you know, wanting to try and, and shorten the game as much as possible, which is perfectly understandable. But if you're going to run no huddle, then you've got to be, you know, you, you've you've got to be even more sort of, you know, on your toes or your, you know, your, your keys. Again, no matter what you're going to do at the snap of the ball, because you're the one who's got to, you've still got a lot of pre-snap processing to do. And then you've got to take that and go, you know, very quickly through those steps. And like you said, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to pick on source B. This isn't, this is not meant to be some podcast. that's going to, you know, sort of. Well, he, and he, forever I mean, and I that, Tom, Tom Allen that, mentioned his football background is not that like, he's only quarterback starting as a junior year, you know, I mean, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's not a ton of experience in you know, the difference offenses you run in high school matters, how much time you get. It's so it's not, it's not his fault or not him lack. I mean, it's just, it's just a matter of, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's not, I, it, like you said, it's not a knock on Soresby necessarily. But you, you know, Indiana is still in this place where it has to parse these really fine margins Yeah, to figure out which of these guys is, is, sort of the best going forward. And um, it, it, you know, you may have to just sort of be like, well, at least evaluating this game. And, and basically what Tom, I've seen some people confused by sort of Tom Allen's pronouncement around the quarterback. His, and listen, 
you know, he definitely sort of fibbed when he said he picked a quarterback, but his, I, I understand. You, did thought. you go back and look at the quote they gave? No, I didn't. What it, he did leave himself some room. I mean, it, it was, I've made a decision and he doesn't say <laughs> I've decided on what he just says. I've made a decision. So I guess we'd inferred made a decision on the starter. He it's, was, picking it's really one. just our fault. So I guess that was on us. So next year, did you make a decision on the quarterback? How many are you going to, is there going to be only one starter? And I, and I think that will have to, that's on us, I guess that's on but, us. But basically he did, his, he did was, his, he did mislead a little, a little bit. A little yes, bit. he did. He, 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 he left the impression, you know, he left the impression yes. that there was, there was a starter, but basically what he said was he felt like he couldn't separate either other than this is where, you know, to your, what you said about you know, season almost starting in week three, it almost feels in some ways like in Tom Allen's mind, it does too. He, said, he basically I mean, like, this said, "This is their preseason, essentially." Is what this, they're saying. This, these first two weeks, Brandon Sorsby is going to start against Ohio State. Taven Jackson will play. Taven Jackson will start against Indiana State. Brendan Sorsby will play. And so there will be an extent to which you can look at both players and say, "We couldn't separate you in preseason camp. We pushed it into the season. We pushed it as far as we could. Everybody get an equal opportunity. I, I mean, like, you know, I guess if Indiana scores on its first three drives against Ohio State, maybe Taven Jackson just stays in. But I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case, if Brendan Sorsby still got snaps so that Tom Allen could look at Brendan Sorsby and say, yeah. hey, I still gave you those opportunities too. Um, but it just – it it it's kind of one of those – you may have to make these decisions on some really, really fine margins, like just looking at a small handful of snaps and saying – you know, Taven Jackson, Brendan Sorsby had some nice throws, but Taven Jackson looked more comfortable under pressure. He looked more comfortable out in the open field. He was more decisive when he needed to be. And we've we have decided that we're going to be really kind of buying into this this sort of run heavy, out of the gun, out of the spread sort of offense. And if that's what you're gonna do, you need the quarterback that's better at that. Not necessarily just like more athletic or faster or whatever, but the quarterback that is more just more comfortable with all the moving parts of an offense that is 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 a lot more fluid than I think people realize sometimes. Yeah, I think it does speak to what the pre the fall camp has become, the lack of practice time that they have, the lack of sort of contact they have, you know, because I asked uh back at Big Ten Media Days if they were going to go live, you know, because I thought uh I mean I think you probably should do that in the spring just to if there is an injury uh, you have some buffer time, but when you don't see these guys live and you got a, two quarterbacks that have really never played college football live, you know, 12 snaps was the most they played in a single game in their career. Uh, he said, I'm using his words, not real football. And so, uh, you know, he basically said, I needed to see him to play real football to make a decision. And, uh, you know, I, I think it is, there's some fair, I mean, he is right. It wouldn't have been fair to throw Sorsby in against Ohio State, leave him out there and just it go bad and then throw Jackson in for Indiana State. I mean, how do you judge that, right? I mean, that's just impossible. That's just it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a way to do it. And so I mean, this way is equitable um, and it gives the coaches a chance. But now, I mean, you really have to get this right, right? Like you can't go back and forth after these two week this two week span. There were some pieces of the offense I thought were better. Um, I thought the line did play well. Indiana only had two or three like actual negative plays. Of course, some of that's a function of running the ball a lot. But listen, I've seen I've seen Indiana teams try to run the ball a lot and still get stopped behind the line of scrimmage 
uh, more than once. I think Indiana had what eight penalties for seventy five yards, but I think five of those were on special teams. Maybe four of them. The point was the offense was not, you know, you you didn't see a lot of sloppiness and and pre-snap penalties and and things like that. And again, listen, I'm not trying to, you know, gild the lily on this. Indiana had 153 total yards and three points. But we sort of said there's going to be some elements of this offense that we think are better that just aren't going to show up immediately because they're playing Ohio State week one. And Again, the flip side is, you know, so long as things go according to plan in week two, Indiana should sort of roll through Indiana State pretty comfortably. And we're still going to be here next week and saying, wow, they ran for 280 yards and that was great. Let's see what they do against Louisville. Um, but you at least didn't, at least I didn't, I don't know if you did, but I, I did not come out of the Ohio State game looking at any part of the offense other than quarterback and thinking, boy, I was really wrong about that group. I thought, I thought this would be true and it wasn't, or I thought I, I thought this group had improved and now I'm not so sure. Yeah, because I don't think you were saying the line, did, you know, I mean, it, the line didn't stand out. So I think that was a good thing, right? Like they weren't making a lot of mistakes. I, I, and, you know, I didn't think they played in the run game, like you said, particularly well. But I mean, a lot, some of that was kind of the just nothing looked crisp, especially early and then late. And then they got in those, you know, everything got skewed once they got in the passing situation situations and um, Ohio State got to tee off but um, it, the running back rotation probably needs some work and I mean if they go with the running style maybe there's just more carries to go around um, but you know we didn't see Christian Turner until like late in the second quarter he had some nice runs and sort of disappeared um, some questions about that but again that's kind of a function of just part of the off the, just the everything being sort of up in the air with the the identity of the the offense. Defensively, I think it's fair to say Indiana had a better day. Um, I've watched some some pieces of the game back. I, I, I won't sit here and pretend I've watched every snap. But one of the things that I, I did feel in real time that I felt like I sort of confirmed with some of what I've seen back, there were times when Ohio State almost looked taken aback by Indiana defensively, not overwhelmed. You know, let's, this is not suggesting that Ohio State was just stunned. But Ohio State – while obviously, you know, a team with its own sort of question marks, new quarterback, some some key pieces, new pieces on the offensive line. Um, Ohio State didn't make a ton of mistakes. They only had five penalties for 41 yards. Kyle McCord was fine. He threw that one pick. But other than that, he's, you know, he's 20 of 33 overall, 239 yards. He didn't have a lot of throws where you thought, wow, what, what the heck is he doing? What's he thinking? Um, Ohio State just seemed genuinely kind of surprised. At, at least to me, at how physically competitive Indiana was. And I think, to its credit, Ohio State adjusts to that and, and just kind of wears Indiana down, obviously. But there's a lot I think Indiana can build off of there in stuff we might have expected, like line play, and in stuff where we had some real questions like pass coverage and, and how – a lot of those young defensive backs were going to hold up against what is on paper a really, really good pass offense. And I just think, you know, Tom Allen seemed very, very pleased with what he saw on Saturday with his defense. Oh, yeah, I'm looking back at the, the PFF. Um, last year they had four pressures. Uh, they had nine pressures um, on on Saturday. So, I mean, 
they were getting to the quarterback, I thought, fairly consistently um, against a line that obviously has a ton of talent. Uh, maybe doesn't have the, you know, uh, it wasn't all returning starters, but a pretty good group. Um, I thought, uh, you know, you're talking about standout players. I mean, the two, Aaron Casey and Andrew uh, Andre Carter, looked really good. I mean, Aaron Casey made about five plays, four behind the line of scrimmage by himself and was all over the place. I thought he had a great game. Carter, too, uh, they just they, they couldn't block him at times on the edge, even if they double teamed him. They didn't have, I mean, you know, just I'm going by anecdotally what people have said. They didn't have a player like that last year, correct? Like on the, on the edge. No, I mean, they haven't, they haven't had somebody like that. I mean, he had that Ohio State's first snap, they double teamed him. A tight end and a tackle blocked him. And he just, he just blew them back about four yards, three, four yards. I mean, they, they have not had a player like that along the defensive line. I mean, in a very long time. And, you know, you talk about the secondary, Marvin Harrison shut down for most of the day. And, you know, there were a couple of plays where Ohio State probably left, you know, Ohio State's probably looking at the film and saying we could have really blown things open with a couple couple of things. But for the most part, the secondary, which didn't, really didn't have much in the way of returning experience outside like Noah Pierre, um, held up really well, too. And that was a huge question mark. So I, I there's no question that there's plenty like this defense, you know, we talk about those sort of six games, you know, on the schedule that could go either way, Louisville, Rutgers, Illinois, et cetera. This defense is going to keep them in the games if they play like that. And those, that makes those winnable games. The offense, obviously not there yet, but I, I think the defense, I mean, if they continue to play like that, um, you know, I was really impressed with what they did. I mean, you, you talk about, just the points alone, it would be in the least amount of points Ohio State scored in 20 years in the rivalry. I mean, that speaks, uh, I mean, you know, 30 it wasn't because, years. Of, it wasn't it was because of weather. It wasn't because of weather, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, And I think it's stuff that just feels, you know, health provided. I mean, I don't know if this is an overly simplistic term, but like pretty repeatable. Like, the, I mean, again, like, I mean, on a field, with a couple all American caliber linebackers, Aaron Casey looked like the best one. And that defensive line just had, I mean, had a presence against an offensive line that you wouldn't, you know, when, when Indiana has competed with Ohio state in the past or Michigan or whomever. And I said this in, in the buildup a lot, it, it's been because Indiana was able to score points. And obviously it goes without saying Indiana's got to score more than three points a game, but, part of the reason that Indiana needed to score points in those games was because Ohio state still had its own way. You got to the end of the game and you still thought, yeah, but Ohio state won the physical battle up front and they still had all these explosive plays. And it was just that Indiana could match them and, and could, you know, find their own explosives. I mean, I don't know exactly how many explosives Ohio state ended with on, um, on Saturday. They only had, I think I want to say three pass plays of over 15 yards. Um, they had a couple. They, they busted a couple. Over, what's they didn't that? have any runs over twenty yards, which yeah uh, was a huge. And they didn't have any explosive plays in the first half. And it uh, just it, it was just because of a a defense that just sort of was really solid. Was really you know didn't. I mean the, the number of times. I mean you 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 point out to me the number of times just in game Indiana was getting pressure with four or five. It wasn't having yeah. you know it wasn't scheme pressure. It wasn't. 
oh, they did some crazy blitz and somebody missed their key. And so, you know, here came here came the linebacker flying through. On well, the sign, I think that they were really happy with the secondary. They went to the four three base, which you said they didn't, you know, necessarily do a ton of last year. Yeah. They, you know, they take the extra defensive back off the field and have an extra linebacker there. You know, obviously that linebacker has flexibility between rushing the passer and coverage, but I mean they were comfortable leaving, you know, you know, leaving less defensive backs in the field, uh, which I think, you know, and, and you you saw in the first quarter they weren't doing that. They transitioned to that slowly because they felt comfortable enough. So they really felt good, I think, about how their corners were playing, how the safeties held up. Uh, Philip Dunham obviously had his first career reception. Uh, he played ple- he played really well. Um, and then you know you had a rotation of corners. Um, I'm looking kind of trying to see here the snap counts, but I think they rotated. You know four or five guys. You know uh, Kobe Miner, uh, Sharp, Tumor. Uh, those were the three main ones. Um, and uh, you know I thought they they were they were happy with how they all played. I think the the only. You know, if we're just talking about sort of individual question marks, the only thing I would look at is Kate Stover's line. He was targeted six times. He had five catches, 98 yards, 68 of them after the catch. You're going to see – I mean, Kate Stover's a good tight end, but he's not Kyle Pitts. You're going you're gonna to see more Kate Stover's. And, you know, when – I mean, that's that's when this offense is, is functioning a certain way. That's a basically – I think um, down to kind of a combination of of how your linebackers and how your Husky are sort of blanketing that position. And listen, I mean, half of his yards came on one play, so maybe I'm overstating this a little well, bit. When he had only had he only had two catches in the first half for it was 33 yards, but they got tired and they cramped up in that second half. Yeah, they were a step slower. So that, and I'm not making excuses. Uh, they just ran out. They ran out of steam a bit. Um, and, and that one long play, I think, was sort of a product of that. So um, I, I do think that was sort of part of what happened there. But, no, you're absolutely right. They did get gashed to the middle, especially in the second half. It does feel like we are, I guess, very quickly on special teams. James Evans, James Evans had a really good day. Um, Chris Freeman hit Indiana's only um, field goal attempt. I guess, I guess it's fair to declare Chris Freeman the starter at this point should mention though he did get the aid of the yeah he had, he had the upright but it went it went through that that almost if that goes the other way they're shut out and he might be looking that's at true team. that's true i mean tom allen also pointed out i think it was three or four special teams penalties he was clearly frustrated with the number of times that indiana had to send those quarterbacks out you know backed up inside the 15 inside the 20 because they were getting good returns and honestly you know i think of course penalties can help you know, lengthen returns, but I think I think Tom Allen also would look at it and feel like, hey, we had some really good punt returns, some really good kick returns. That's got to be a weapon for us. We've got an elite returner, and we know what he's capable of. And let's not waste that and waste the impact that can have on an offense that's still going to need some time to develop by committing these penalties. Um, but probably all in all, a decent day for the special teams unit. I think. It does feel like I'm sure we're going to do this again next Sunday night or Monday or whenever, and we're going to. It feels like I think be saying a lot of the same things. You know, if if we aren't, then it will in all likelihood be because something went wrong for Indiana against Indiana State. But Indiana State lost uh, its its season opener at home to Eastern Illinois, twenty seven nothing. Sycamore's turned the ball over six times in that game. Just a just an ugly um, performance and. 
as vanilla as Indiana kept things against Ohio State, I would expect them to try to do the same thing against Indiana State. I, I thought it was actually kind of funny. It felt like Ryan Day thought, like Ryan Day coached that game like he thought his season started with Notre Dame, and Tom Allen kind of coached <laughs> that game like he thought his season started with Louisville. And I don't really blame either coach, to be honest. And as so long as you can, but get like you said, and, and I think the Ohio State players thought they were going to get face the Indiana team that they just rolled over last year. Probably. Like, that's, weren't that's they prob- up like 21 nothing in the first quarter and something like, like that. No, yeah, I mean, it so, was, no yeah. problem scoring, uh, scoring. So, I mean, like Indiana punched them in the, I mean, there was that, like I said, I think I said this yesterday, that stretch in the second quarter, five minutes where Ohio State's like, I looked a little rattled uh, to be yeah. honest, like on offense, you know, like, look, like looked uh, like, okay, we're going to have to fight for this. We didn't, we didn't think this was going to, we weren't have to like be out here in the second half. Like what's going on? They weren't prepared. I think it's fair to say for the way that Indiana sort of delivered uh, almost like set the terms of that game defensively. I think the question, if you're Indiana, maybe the, maybe the one thing, not the one thing, but one of the sort of few things that I would feel comfortable taking away from Indiana state is, can you bring that same effort when it's Indiana state? You know, if, if if that shows up on Friday night and there's there's not a bunch of sloppiness and penalties and you know maybe you aren't guilty of you know some of the same you know underestimating Indiana State the same way or just not taking the game as seriously, if you can just kind of I don't know to some extent just sort of show hey listen like this is who we are this is who we're going to be all year just get used to it, um, that feels like maybe the thing that that Indiana. Indiana can prove against the Sycamores on Friday night in a short week is, you know, if you still are behaving seriously, you, you clean up some of your penalties, you're still tough on defense, obviously you improve on offense, but you don't while keeping, well, again, staying vanilla, keeping something close to the, the vest that you don't want to put on film for Louisville, for Maryland, et cetera. Um, you just kind of show some of that same intensity and some of that same investment, then that at least says, I think that this team has a certain belief in itself and a certain sort of confidence about itself that would serve it well. I think defensively the goal would be to extend their scoreless streak another two quarters till you put the backups in. They shouldn't be scored on the starters, right? If, If they're locked in, Indiana State shouldn't score on these starters. I mean, an Indiana State team again, six turnovers against Eastern Illinois. That's, I mean, that's not going to happen every week, but that's an incredible, that's an eye popping number. So, and they were bad last year, too. So, I mean, it's not like a one in the one, one year wonder here. So, right. uh, but I think, yeah, they should, like you said, they should roll uh, pretty handily. Especially we'll leave it there for now. Um, this has been Mind Your Banners for September 3rd, 2023. If you're listening to this on Labor Day, have a happy Labor Day. If you're listening to it after Labor Day, then have a happy rest of september may may your weather cool and your leaves turn and your pumpkins spice um he's mike nizelik i'm zach osterman thank you so much for listening we will be back if not midweek then certainly uh after the indiana state game to talk to you again but thank you so much for listening